Despite being no larger than the state of New Jersey, Israel is a country where all eyes are constantly turned, from the media to politics to religion. The tension is palpable and not to be overlooked. In past generations, investing in turns Israel's existence was more of a given, regardless of one's religious or ethnic background. But today, that has changed, with younger generations no longer holding that same passion, and with many reflecting either apathetic or sometimes even antagonistic views towards the state's need to exist. This is not about us versus them or good versus bad. As someone currently living in Israel, I see the country for what it is, the good, the bad, and the sovereign, <laughs> as the saying goes. So join me, Izzy Sakai, as we go beyond politics and sit down with Jewish and non-Jewish changemakers, thinkers, and fearless leaders to discuss Israel's vital existence in the past, present, and future. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Our Israel Narrative. Very excited to introduce our guest today, Rabbi Yosef Ginsberg, who is a fellow Long Islander. I'm not sure. I think you say Long Islander. Um, and now lives, <laughs> lives here in Israel in an uh, interesting place called Naria. And he had originally come to Israel studying in yeshiva, served in the army in the IDF, then lived in the old city, which think is a fascinating place to live for about eight years and throughout his time here he's taught in various yeshivot seminaries and he very interestingly is on the educational staff at the international school for holocaust studies here at yad vashem which is just incredible and spends i think a lot of his days um working as he was the co-founder and now regional director of ncsy israel who helps which which helps uh teens that recently came to israel um acclimate i think to the environment here and what could what could often be challenging at that stage in life um coming and moving to israel so uh without further ado i want to give you the floor hand you the mic as they say um if you want to just tell us a little about where you're sitting right now um maybe most interesting thing that happened to you. I'll say this past Shabbat, because I know you had a had an interesting Shabbat. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Izzy. You know, our, uh, our Israel narrative is, seems really important and what you guys are doing, what you're doing over there. So, uh, you know, thank you for having me as always. And uh, I've met a lot more interesting people, but happy to be speaking with you and uh, covering, uh, you know, as much as I can and do what I can. Um, the craziest thing that happened, you said the craziest thing over Shabbat? It's interesting, craziest. I like crazy. Yeah, crazy. Most interesting. Yeah, they're all in the same category, I guess. Most interesting thing that happened over um, Shabbat. Well, uh, over Shabbat, we had a NCSY Israel Shabbaton with, you know, nearly 120 teens who came out. There was a waiting list. There were also teens uh, who, who have been on previously, but sometimes programming because it's real. It's, it's, it's educational could be too much for some teens. Um, it was in Yerushalayim. We had teens um, who, who um, weren't a part of the Shabbaton, who were trying to get onto the campus and into the campus to be a part of the programming. We're like, no problem. Like, you can join us. Just make sure you join us as a program and stuff like that. But even teens who kind of, you know, maybe they'll say they're, they're, they're too cool for it or uh, this or that. Uh, break in and get it. And, and there's just this bikush to be together, to be together with teens from all around the country. So that was pretty wild of an anomaly for me where uh, people are trying to join your programming, um, even though, you know, on, on the larger frame of things, like 
like, no, I would never join a program like that, you know, <laughs> and meanwhile, they're breaking in, if you will. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's crazy, but it it was really interesting for me to see. Special, special. It means you're doing something right. That's for sure. And there's so. there's a need. There's a need. So that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I guess in that similar vein, um, just like zooming out in your time in Israel thus far, however many years it's been, what's kind of, uh, I like to ask that your craziest only in Israel moment or story. I know there could be dozens of those, but the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> I'm sure you do. You probably think about these a lot, you know, especially our, our Israel narrative. Um, and thinking of this question, obviously, like you said, there could be a dozen every single day and every moment when we open our eyes, when we just look outside. And just the very fact that we're here is a craziest moment in its own right, in its own essence. Um, I'll say personally, it doesn't, it might not seem like a crazy moment, but for me, I remember it so vividly and so clearly as a quintessential moment of of change in the way I think and the way I see this country and where I am and where other people might be um, in my life. And that takes me back um, over a decade ago to uh, when I was in the army. Um, and I just remember I was in basic training. I barely spoke a word of Hebrew because back then they didn't, they didn't, you know, they assumed you knew Hebrew if you were joining the army. Now they test a lot more, didn't know too much. Um, and I just remember I was in the Jordan Valley uh, training in the middle of a desert, literally, and um, I'm sitting on, uh, it was springtime, and we're sitting on a firing line practicing shooting um, with rifles. And uh, we were out there for hours, literally on our stomachs, just out there for hours. And it's, and it's pouring on top of us. Um, and suddenly a moment came over to me. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid right now. Where am I? right now like where the heck am i right now <laughs> and where are my buddies right now and i'm just thinking like i'm sitting here like some kid from long island like on a firing line in israel in you know the middle of nowhere literally people there isn't anyone for miles my friends are trying to you know um asking their parents if they can use their credit cards in order to pay for their you know college lunches in order to buy textbooks and stuff like that and I'm just this, I'm just like, I'm sitting here on a firing line. I'm thinking, whoa, like this is so far ahead for me than where I ever thought I could be. Not that there's nothing to going to college. I went to college as well. Nothing that, that there's nothing to using your parents' credit card to buy textbooks or school lunches, whatever it is. But that the fact that I had the opportunity to kind of, I would say, turbo boost my life, where I feel like it went from age right. 20 to 30 um, in that moment where I felt like all of a sudden I, I became an adult, I became independent, I became in the place of giving as opposed to taking. And that moment changed my entire life. It wasn't even anything specific that happened. Just being there and having that realization for me was definitely the craziest moment that I was, uh, that I think about a lot, actually, that moment. Right. I was going to say, it probably like really propels you forward just on a day-to-day -day basis here because I, I would say uh, you have to be 10 years ahead when you live here. Or at least I feel that sometimes because, <laughs> and it's not even uh, it's not even an age or maturity thing. It's almost just like this constant yearning for, for um, a deeper truth, a deeper understanding of where you are, what you're experiencing. And if you're stuck in the here and now and the, and the sometimes challenging experiences or day-to-day -day life, um, 
I won't say you don't make it, but it's a lot harder. Like there, there has to be this forward thinking vision and real sense of like, wow, I'm, I'm here for a reason. Like I'm an 18, 19 year old young guy <laughs> sitting, you know, if it, it, it makes no sense when you say it on paper. Um, mm-hmm. so exactly. I'll say, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but this is one of the, one of the reasons of, 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 of why we opened NCSY Israel where we're monopoly where even growing up is 10 years ahead here. There's no youth group for teenagers as there is, yeah. you know, in North America, it's everything happens that much quicker, that much faster. And it's just this expectation to be able to keep up and move forward. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, you know, obviously you, you chose to come to Israel at young age, 18, 19, um, for probably many reasons. Um, and, you know, I think, Everyone has their own perspective of this. Uh, it's often commented that you know Israel doesn't exist because the Holocaust happened, but the Holocaust happened because Israel did not exist. And I'm not sure. Sometimes our generation relates to that. Sometimes they don't. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective. Your you know when you when you decided to come here, when you were propelled to come here, why did you feel you needed to come and, and defend the state of Israel? Why do you why do you feel the state of Israel needs to exist today? Okay, so uh, I'll start with the first part of your statement, um, you know, and that is, uh, which I've heard before many time and time again, of that the, uh, the Holocaust, you know, uh, happened maybe because Israel didn't exist and needed to happen. Um, my own perspective on that, and I, I'm in Yad Vashem, so I think about this a lot, but even within Yad Vashem, right. there are many different perspectives, as you can imagine. Um, right. I, I don't know why the Holocaust happened. Um, I don't know... I don't think that it's the reason why we have a state of Israel. Um, I think that is very much part of the process of why we have Israel today. And, and, and is a core part of that process. I, I don't give a reason for the Holocaust. Personal reasons, I don't think there is a possible way to give a reason. Um, how it happened, how it came to happen, absolutely. There are, there are ways and there are processes and, and how, how it formed. But um, I put them together in the miracle of the creation of the state of Israel, but not as a reason. I wouldn't say that that it's a reason per se. Maybe it is. I guess only God could answer that question. Um, right. Now, uh, I, I also, um, there's this big, this big word that we use defend and defend and defend. And even, you know, Tzaha, which is the Israeli defense forces. And, and um, I think that, that, at least my style is not necessarily a style of defense, um, but a style of, uh, of growth, a more growth oriented approach. Um, you know, there's a, a famous saying from Rev Cook, the first chief rabbi of the state of Israel, um, where, you know, he says that the true tzaddikim, instead of, you know, complaining about the darkness, focus on the light. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, we, we have been through history in, in keeping ourselves alive and uh, keeping ourselves propelling forward and uh, what we do as a people, what we do and kind of huddling together and sticking through and having a mission, having a goal. Um, and now I think that what the state of Israel is for us now is not just a safe haven to make sure Jews are okay. We're gonna make sure Jews are okay even if we didn't have the state of Israel. We would do whatever we, we could no matter what. And we're thinking about the Jews in Ukraine now. We're thinking about, you know, this is what we do as Jewish people. And this is what we did often also before the state of Israel. And I truly believe that. Um, I think the Holocaust was an anomaly and, and there's no explanation that I can come up with, no clear explanation. Um, I think what, what we need to focus on is really 
um, not just the defense and how do we sound to the world necessarily and how do we sound, but, but what is our goal? What is our mission? And what are we doing about it in order to push that forward? Meaning I have these cohort, I have these things. And you asked me what kind of brought me here as an 18, 19 year old, uh, what kind of, you know, gave me the drive to put myself in a place to defend Israel. I had no interest in defending Israel. Obviously I had an interest in protecting Israel, but in defending mm. Israel, that was not my interest. For me, it wasn't an obligation. It was an opportunity. It was something that 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 I had the opportunity to do. That my you know my grandparents who you know were in the Holocaust and had couldn't even think of a picture of what the Kotel looked like, um, you know, let alone today. So go back all these years, and I have now the opportunity to be in this army which hadn't been reinstated since the times of King David. Really, you know, times of the Second Temple and the Maccabees. So it's there right in front of me. And I get to I get to do this. I get to be a part of this. I get to be a part of its growth. I get to be a part of protecting its people. I get to be a part of its building. How could I not do such a thing? It, it almost seems crazy to me. Now, everyone else thinks I sound crazy, which is fine. Um, I am a little crazy. I don't think you, you sound crazy. I, don't oh, know I appreciate that. Is so there's one. <laughs> there's one. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but, uh, but for me, for me, it's opportunity and it's not obligation at all. And it's not defensive. It's building, it's growing. Um, we have a lot of time, this apologetic kind of defensive way of how we, you know, show ourselves. And, and uh, sometimes we need to be that way on campuses and things like that. But I think we need to show what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we are doing it. And it's amazing. And we are the, we are creating a miracle. It's not just a miracle. We're creating it. So that's my short answer. <laughs> no, it's incredible. It's, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's exactly so you light onto the nations. We're not here to just preserve ourselves, like you said, and protect ourselves. We can do that even potentially without, without state of Israel. At least we did for generations past. Um, but there, there's something here that we're supposed to be an example for this world. What, how do we model ourselves in this country, in this place? How do we unify um, as a people? and treat each other. And, and I always, I always feel that very deeply that it's, you know, the enemies are almost a distraction. It's not mm -hmm. like you said, a defense it's, it's what are we doing to come closer? And then the enemies, God will take care of that. The enemies will, will dissipate. They'll, you know, God willing, mm -hmm. right? you can only, one can hope, but uh, it, it really is. It's, it's much more about looking within, right? It's the same idea, like change yourself and then you could change the world. Um, and and ourselves, Israel is our, is, I think that is, is the soul of the Jewish people in a lot of ways. And, and that's where you have to to, you know, focus our energy. So I, I really, I appreciate that perspective a lot. Um, you know, in, in that vein, I think we have a lot of different voices and ideas in the, in the global Jewish community about Israel and about Israel's need to exist and its, its role in this, in the, you know, in the global Jewish arena right now, in the, in the global, you know, not just Jewish arena. Um, and that comes from artists, entrepreneurs, politicians, um, all different, you know, you're, advocates, how do you think we can kind of start to really unite those voices, try and create, like not have anybody lose their voice, but, but create a more unified force behind those voices. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is a question which I deal with on a, on a smaller uh, scale, I would say pedagogically very often in terms of how I interact with teens and students and things like that. Um, and this, I would say goes in line with uh, everything I said previously. Um, we kind of uh, are trying to create often um, a place for everyone so that way they, they do not fail. 
um, a space in order so that they're not going to mess up or they're not going to, you know, or they just pass or they pass this or they pass that. It's a bagrud, it's a psychometry, it's getting into this and it's getting into that. Um, we all have um, kochot and, and everyone has different kochot. For some, it's math, for some, it's science, for some, it's Torah, for some, it's, you know, fill in the blank, really anything. And, and everyone has, and I really believe that everyone has kochot. Not everyone comes easy. I'm trying to, to translate kochot as, as uh, strengths just for, for oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's I a strong word. Know so uh, yeah. <laughs> you're fluent. You're fluent. Sorry. Keep going. Um, keep going. So, uh, so um, in, in line with uh, it, with um, I don't believe in, again, not that I don't believe that was a strong word as well, like kochot, um, but instead of focusing on, on how do we get better at what we're not good at, I'm kind of giving the tools and the skills um, to people to be able to shine with things that they're already amazing at and things that they love at. Um, I'll give you a tiny example just from this weekend that I'm thinking of. Uh, we have a teen who's, he's a great teen, uh, but he hasn't really shined yet. Um, and for whatever reason, he was kind of in the background and he was a part of things. He's a good kid. And uh, he asked if he could have, you know, we have a, a camera, an NCSY camera. And he asked if he could have the camera for the afternoon on Friday afternoon, kind of take pictures. Um, the kid's whole Shabbos was changed. Well, first of all, we have 1,300 pictures that I got to run through now. But uh, we have, you know, meaning this kid's whole life is now focused on something that he's good at and focused on something that, that he's able to do. And that's a very small scale example for what I think and, 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 and the way I see we need to build this country and our people. Um, we need to break out of kind of that mold of this is what a Jew looks like, doctor, mm-hmm. lawyer, um, you know, fill in the blank of what our Jewish mothers prayed that we were. Um, and we're not always. Um, and kind of uh, see ourselves in the place of, of this is what I'm already excited about. This is what I'm incredibly excited about and what I love. And, and I'm going to make it happen. I think that what's, what's unique about Israel, um, and I speak with Olim about this a lot, is that it really does have opportunity for, to be successful in, in, a, in a broad variety of ways. It's not just the doctor lawyer has enough money um, educator approach. Here, it's kind of nobody's really that rich anyways. You have, of course, you're, you're wealthy and the high tech and things like that. But the difference between a doctor and an educator is not the same difference between a doctor and an educator in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's much smaller. And here, here and, and I think it is the way of life here, we're not, our life isn't work. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't live to work here. We definitely work to live, at least that's the way I feel. And I feel that with the plumbers in this country, and I feel that with the elect- electrical engineers and even the high-tech personalities, um, that that they're very excited about their work and what they have to give, but it's about the living here. And I think it's because we love living here so much. We love being here so much that the work is so much stronger and that so much more gets done. It's because when you go to work in your high tech position, when you go to work as an educator, because you love living here, your work is going to be a lot stronger because you feel that you can give here and you feel that you're a part of it and you're connected to the land and the people. So the work is secondary. It's kind of an example of you uh, if you have a uh, family, for example. So, you know, if if you care about your kids, you can't call it babysitting. You're spending time with your kids. I've been called out for that by my wife. Uh, but 
it's not called babysitting. It's it's spending time with your kids. So that's work. That's hard. What do you mean? How could you enjoy that? How do we get out of that? No, no, no. I love being with my family and therefore it's just spending more time with them. Sometimes they're crying and it's less fun, but it's still my family. So that on the broader scale, I think we need to create more opportunities for people to um, connect to this land. Uh, that's for sure what we do at NCSY. Everyone's like, oh, well, how do you fight integration, you know, by speaking English? No, we're making them comfortable. And then all they'll want to do is be a part of this nation. They're not comfortable in that language sometimes. So we do it in different ways. And that's one small example of, of what we do. The most important uh, thing, you know, Maslow's hierarchy is safety. It's just feeling comfortable. It's feeling there and feeling a part of things. And then everything else kind of rolls out in itself. I believe this very strongly as well um, in education, specifically in teaching, you know, Judaic studies and uh, Torah studies. I don't believe in testing. Um, I don't believe in giving the opportunity for a student to fail at something because that automatically shows, oh, that's not for me. You know, I can't be good at it. I'm going to fail at it. We need to give opportunities to teens and to kids and to everyone, really, in order to shine, not in order to fail. What, you know, how do you connect? And when I get, when I have to give a test for something in a yeshiva or seminary, whatever it is, an end of the year evaluation or something like that, you hand it in however the way you want it. You want to draw me a piece of art that helps you connect. You want to write a poem. You want no problem. I want to see that you care. I want to see that you want to give. And that is something that uh, is very important to me. One of the reasons I'm in informal education because it's very hard to be, you know, to sit with these ideas in a formal educational setting uh, without fully believing in it. So, uh, yeah, I, know, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish I had you as a teacher uh, when I when I was younger, because, you know, there's all those you always say. You like, wouldn't have failed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, you know, you always say, well, what was the point of all those classes? What was the, And at the end, there's practical things that you definitely learn from from your formal education and formal educational years. But they always say, like, what's what's the teacher you remember most the class you remember most and it's usually the person you know the, the teacher of the class that made you feel the safest made you feel the strongest mm-hmm. made you feel and not because you were necessarily the best at that subject it just had like when i think about the teachers that saying that to me that that that's what it was um and i think in terms of if, if the global arena and and trying to like want to focus on like what can I give to Israel? What can I, what can I bring to the table here? It's a matter of building up this inner, this inner strength. Like you're saying, I think it's, it's so, so important. I, I actually took a course um, when I was learning in Israel about five years ago. Um, uh, it was created by um, a gentleman, Rabbi Yusuf Lin. And he basically, called, sure. I think it was called the greatest strengths. I don't remember the name of the course, but anyways, it was, for me, it was life-changing at the time that I took it. Um, because it was the first time someone said exactly what you're saying, focus on what you're good at, focus on what you can give. What are your cohort? What are your strengths? What can you bring to the table? That's what we need to survive. That's what we need to thrive. I shouldn't say survive, to thrive and, and to, to be the best we can be as a collective, as a collective whole. And so um, it's not like create, it's not telling anybody do X and then you'll be able to contribute or do Y. It's just do what you do best. And then we'll all benefit from that. And we'll all be more unified and stronger as a nation, as a people. Um, and I think it, it's incredible. Um, you know, another thing I was going to ask you, and you started touching on this is just, you know, some of the things that you're able to, to do for your teens. And I think that example with the, with the boy and, and the photography, um, you know, helping him to connect to himself. And then he feels more comfortable here and what he has here and, and his potential here and his future here. Um, I don't know if you have any other like examples like that that um, stand out in your mind or 
um, just different elements. Also, I think that's something that could definitely, I was going to say, you know, elements that could be applied to people that, that aren't in Israel and are trying to, to help people, you know, teens specifically and, and the younger generations connect to the land. Do you think there's any other, um, say like knowledge transfer, um, that we could have kind of from, from what you're doing here with, with your community and, and what's happening with communities overseas? Yeah. Um, we have a big focus and for good reason, because we're, you know, we're all messianic and we all want everyone to be here. And we, all, da, da, and we all have big ideas and big dreams. And, and we've had thousands of years of getting the Jews to the promised land. Um, and we've made that our goal. I think, I think we've made our goal for everyone to be here. Um, and that's the quintessential person you've made Aliyah, you know, at least in the Zionist circles, you've made Aliyah, you've made it to Israel. Um, now what? And the focus is, is on getting here too much. Um, I think that the getting here needs to be a given, um, not a goal. I think it's, it's the means to the goal. The goal needs to be, and the education needs to be building the land and thriving. You know, I'm and sorry for continuing with this theme so much. I'm pretty passionate about it, as you can tell. Um, and, and so much is focused on pre-Alia. And there's amazing work being done with Nefesh Benefesh and, and you know, all those organizations and the Jewish Agency. Um, but I think the focus, even pre-Alia, needs to be post-Alia. Needs to be on, okay, how are we going to create a space for you uh, you know, when you have a meeting with an, with an Aliyah advisor, okay, how are we going to make this work? Like, how are we going to, how are you going to survive? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to get a job? Do you have a plan? Are you coming on a pilot trip to see if it fits your bill to see if it's right for you? Um, it's right for you. Um, the question is, how are you going to make it right? What are you going to do to make it hard? If there's passion, if there's, if, if there's love for something, the challenges are very much secondary. I've never heard a basketball player say, oh, I'm so tired. That was so hard. Mm. It's the most challenging thing to play a game of basketball in the world. I'm saying you're sweating, you're getting torn to shreds, pushing everyone, knocking to pieces and trying to get a, a ball in a hoop. If you don't love basketball, it's the most miserable hour of your life. But if you have a passion for basketball, if you love it, no one's complaining about the bruises that they received. No one's that's part of the game. You may even embrace it and, and enjoy it as, 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 as war wounds, if you will. Um, and, and we often are, have this, I'll say it in Hebrew and then I'll translate this Magiali attitude that, uh, and I think it's very much prevalent in the world right now of like, you know, like, what can I collect? What can I get? What can I receive? I moved here. Now I'm supposed to get something. Um, it needs to be flipped. It needs to be, what can I give? And what am I going to have to sacrifice in order so that I can give of that? Not so that I can take something, not what can I collect, but I'm moving here, not in order because, well, because schools are more, if it's because of a specific technicality of, uh, of money or this and that, I would say, don't make Aliyah because of money, even if it's true. Don't make Aliyah because of comfortability with your kid's school, even if it's true. Because those are those are those are quick fixes. Those those are things that can be changed in anywhere in the world. That's going to happen. If your teen's having trouble in school in America, they're going to have trouble here in school because they're a teen having trouble in school. That's going to happen mm -hmm. anywhere. Israel's no different. Uh, there might be more opportunities, and that's true. But the question is: is we need to educate? I think pre-aliyah as a 
it's not a matter of this is going to be hard and how are you going to cope with this? Are you going to be able to do this? It's what are you willing to sacrifice in order to give and grow this passion of yours, this love of yours, that is the state of Israel, that is the Jewish people, that, will, that is eventually helping the world as a whole. And so we need to flip our minds upside down, right? Adar, nafohu, flip everything upside down um, entirely um, in terms of the way we think, in terms of, of, of understanding that we're here to give. We're, we're here to give and that gives others and that, and that helps others and that helps the world. And it's people like to complicate that process as, oh, me making, it's, it's really a very simple circle. And that is doing good things promotes good things and more good things happen. And it's as simple as that. And it's when we focus on, on who we are and what we're able to do and what we're able to give for the things that we love and that be family, that be Israel, that be the Jewish people, that be the world even, that's when we find ourselves growing, growing and growing the world and growing everyone around us. It's when we focus on those specific positive lights um, and not as, as challenges as being like, yeah, of course it's a challenge, but I'm not going to not do something because of the challenge. I'm going to do more because of the challenge to use that to kind of push us in the right direction. Um, so I think we just need to change our way of thinking. I think that, uh, that often, you know, in this day and age, it's like I said, that kind of, you know, what can I collect? What can I receive? What, what do I deserve? Uh, you have more than what you deserve. You have, we have more than what we deserve. We have something that we couldn't even dreamed of. Instead of saying, what can we receive from it? What can we get from it? Why, how it's making life hard for us. It's how much am I willing to sacrifice in my life to be able to give to that, to give for that, to give to others, um, to help people. Um, and that, th those aren't sacrifices when we're doing them. Those are, you know, bruises on the court in a basketball game, but you love that game. So it's no problem at all. Yeah. I mean, my mind right now is like split in two ways. So the first being when I made Aliyah, it was a, a very similar thought process. I didn't come with any specific goal. I mean, you know, it wasn't like goal setting, like um, trying to meet these kind of people. I'm trying to, it was just, I'm coming because that's where I'm compelled to go at this point in my life. And I, and I believe in, in this one, I believe in, in living in Israel. And I think it's very much what's helped me to, to survive. I mean, I, I tell people very openly in the past year plus that I've been here that uh, I've had some of my hardest moments and nothing to do with being in Israel, just having to do with the fact that I'm living life and life is challenging. And but if, if I came here with goals and this facade of what Israel would give me, I probably would have given up many months ago. Um, and, and so that 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 point, I, I definitely strongly, strongly agree. And I think it's it's 100 percent the attitude you have to come, you have to have coming here. And I would say where my mind's putting the other way is in terms of, you know, people maybe aren't even thinking about coming here right now. And but in, in a very similar vein, I think. And, and stick with me for a moment, because because I'm, I'm almost piecing this out of my mind as I speak, but people want to see Israel for for the not so glorious, the not so, you know, beautiful, right? You can't, I still, when I, when I told certain people I was moving here, oh, well, you know, it's really hard. You know, it's, uh, you're just, I mean, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Every, who are you going to be with? What, it was just constantly met with like, what, even when I had my Alia interview, they told me <laughs> I was just thinking things. my own interview now. Same, they same told experience. me I was, yeah, I was moving in the middle of Corona and they told me, why would you want to move in the middle of a pandemic? 
like, what are you going to do? And I was like, is this a trick? What are they trying to, I'm so confused. I was really confused. And I was like, wait, no, Izzy, hold your, hold your own, hold your own. You could do this. And I just said, I said to him, I said, I just, I, I think it's where I'm supposed to be. And the same attitude that you have as a person coming here to make it to thrive and to live and to, to, to thrive here, you have to have when you look at Israel from the outside, even if you're not going to come here, even if you're not coming here now, if it's not the right time for you for whatever reasons, there's there's practical reasons that people just can't. And, and that's that's Absolutely. something that over time I've uh, I've really understood. I was very much on the bandwagon for a long time of like, let's go, everyone right now. I don't know what you're waiting for. Look at the world. And now it's like, OK, we're in we're in Galu, we're in exile. So there's there is there must be some sort of purpose for, for, for the world outside of Israel, right? For the Jewish people living outside of Israel, whatever that purpose is, I'm not God. I can't tell anyone. Um, but if, if you are there, you still have a duty to, to serve Israel in a way to, to help Israel thrive and survive. And it's not just putting your money here. That's part of it. Sure. But it's, it's speaking up for Israel in the way that how, how do you connect to it? What, what makes you feel like you can give what, what, is a strength you feel, like you've been saying, that you can that you can bring to the table in Israel, even if you're not here. Because I think there are things you can do. I think there's plenty of things you can do. And it starts with just finding the positive in this land and what it is and what it is for us. It's not it's not a perfect place. I always remind people, it's 70, what, 75 years young? I was afraid, exactly. I should just know the number at this point. But anyways, it's a quite a young country. I don't know any country that's perfect, even ones that have been around for hundreds of years. Speak, talk about America, talk about Europe, right? None of these countries are perfect. So just take that into perspective when you talk about a country that is so young and what it has accomplished. Focus on that. Focus, bring, bring that to the table. And bring to the table, based on that, what, what, can, what can you then contribute? What can you, you know just, just bring for, for, to, to help Israel thrive and the Jewish people thrive. Um, I keep saying this word thrive. I think you really, uh, honed in on that earlier on. And I really, I love it. I think it's, you know, survival is just so not what should be in our lingo. It's, it's how, how do we thrive? How do we, how do we get to that point? So, Absolutely. um, and I'll say even you use the word perfect. And as, as you know, we're trying to perfect is, is not a good goal. Because what then? And it's kind of that same goal. And it's, it's part of the issue in terms of, oh, we got here and now we're perfect. And then we realize we're not perfect. Um, that's the excitement of not being perfect. There's always room for growth. There's always room to, I'll say the word, you said it, thrive. So <laughs> there you go. So I uh, really enjoy this. And just to, to close off, I like to ask, uh, when, you know, when you think of Israel, kind of what's the first word or phrase uh, that, that comes to mind for you? okay if it's a hebrew word i'll translate it i'll translate sure i would say shlemut um shlemut in its verb shlemut means to complete or to perfect i just spoke about i guess Mm. maybe that's why it's on my mind about perfect um i don't believe in perfect i don't believe in complete but i believe in completion and perfection and i think that's what we're striving for we're striving and 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 i think that the land of israel is that missing piece for us because it was always um, connecting as a people and connecting with God. And now there's that third, you know, third point in the triangle, that missing corner, if you will, um, which is that bringing, bringing the world, God and his people together, a kind of blending it. It's kind of the glue between us and God and kind of the glue between God and the world as well is the land in which he created, the land in which he wanted us to grow, the land in which he wanted us to be able to really um, complete and perfect. And 
there is no such thing as perfect in this world. There is no such thing as complete in this world. God could have created it that way from the onslaught. And he decided to create it imperfect. And he decided to create us as imperfect in order so that we can perfect it and we can perfect ourselves. And I think that's why we're here. I think that's why we're here on this earth. And I think that's why we're here as a, as a people on this earth, as a people in the land of Israel, as the Jewish people, and as personal people as well, that we have a job, a job of not being perfect a job of perfecting and a job of making perfect and a job of having a goal, which is unattainable. And that is the beauty of it is that we're never at a, at a spot where, okay, and that's it. No, it's this, it's a, it's an infinite growth perspective that we need to have a goal of perfection of always making it better. And so thank God we're not perfect in this land. Mm. Um, thank God. Really. I thank God every day that, 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 that he gave us faults that he gave us uh, challenges and even sometimes enemies. It's a tough one to thank him for, but even sometimes enemies in order for us to be able to, to, to grow, to think more, to be on our toes, to have wisdom, to have, to help others um, without those imperfections, those words that I just said, wouldn't be words. Um, and so uh, I think that word shlemut of uh, perfection in its verb, a completion in its verb of doing of, of action um, is the word that comes to mind when I think of the land of Israel. Amazing. Amazing. And in that vein, we'll actually complete this episode, although I can keep going, but uh, <laughs> all really, day, all day. Thank you so, so much um, just for, for sharing your insight, your wisdom and your experiences and yeah, looking forward to future conversations. Always. And thank you, Izzy, and all, all that you're doing for the uh, state and land of Israel and the Jewish people in the world as a whole. And uh, for using your kohot, I guess that's the buzzword of the day. You're, uh, you know, making your, your potential actual into really amazing things and really doing it and not just talking about it. <laughs> thank you all for joining another episode of Arizona Narrative. Uh, I think I'm just walking away here just really thinking about this idea of shleimut about completion perfection and that nowhere is complete or perfect no one is complete or perfect no no thing is complete or perfect and the idea is that we're all meant to to, to do our part to bring our strengths our kohot to uh help those people places and things uh to just do better be better and thrive and i think that's that's what the goal is the focus should be when it comes to israel especially and with that until next time <laughs>